Oscar Shibwe is officially eligible to receive NIL deals. How does this affect his potential return to the Wildcats in 2022? Also, Kentucky this season, which news outlets are correct about the Wildcats and their potential extremely deep postseason run? We talk about all of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode, we've got a variety of topics that we are going to go over. We're going to talk about Oscar Shibwe and his NIL uh, deals that he is now doing, what he could potentially do next season, potentially returning to the Wildcats, and then also... We're going to talk about where the accuracy lies with Kentucky and the 2022 postseason. And then finally, Liam Cohen has officially announced that he will be returning to the Los Angeles Rams as their new offensive coordinator after uh, holding the exact same position with the Wildcats for this uh, this past season. We're going to talk about a couple of candidates uh, that could potentially replace him. And honestly, in a perfect world, I think we get both of those candidates and they are co-offensive Coordinator. So starting at the top here with Oscar Shibwe uh, and his new uh, NIL deals, he's officially, I guess at this point, uh, potentially going to be a millionaire. Uh, this is a quote from an article written at Kentucky Sports Radio. It says, quote, On Sunday afternoon, Oscar Shibwe announced through social media that he is now open for business after joining a sports agency by the name of The Familia. This means that he is now eligible to receive the monetary benefits that are available thanks to the new name, image, and likeness laws. Previously, Shibwe was extremely limited in regards to how he could make money through NIL because of how his travel visa was set up. End quote. So he's officially eligible uh, to uh, have a variety of NIL deals. He's already on Cameo. I'm assuming here in the coming weeks that he is going to have several more deals lined up as he is essentially one of the faces of college basketball this season season. When you go to that Kentucky Sports Radio article, at least whenever I did at the time, the most recent comment on the thread says, Big O can come back next year and make more NIL money than taking a second round draft spot in a G League contract. And I have this have a very similar mindset. I think that Oscar Shibwe should and will return uh, during the 2022-23 in, uh, NBA, or excuse me, college basketball season. Wow, I'm going all over the place today. And I'm going to break that down. I'm going to explain why. First of all, Oscar Shibwe is an incredibly valuable player. Let's not discount that. If the season ended today, Shibwe would rank 7th all-time in Kentucky's history for most rebounds in a single season. He currently has 411, and he's 5 rebounds away from passing Anthony Davis. And then he's 7 rebounds away from passing Julius Randle on the list. He's incredibly valuable. Averages over 16 points a game, 15 rebounds per game, 1.9 steals per game, 1.5 blocks per game. He's doing all of this while shooting 59% from the floor. His offensive rebounding percentage is tied for first nationally, meaning the percentage of offensive rebounds that he gets on the floor is about, I believe, 20%, somewhere around there. I might, I might be completely off, but that's tied for first nationally. His defensive rebounding percentage is first by 2.3%. So the next closest player uh, is 2.3% less than Shibwe when it comes to getting defensive rebounds. So he's obviously a menace on the glass. He can shoot it a little bit. 
extremely talented guy, right? But when you Google Oscar Shibway and things related to his draft stock, you don't see a whole lot on him. And so you have to do a little bit more digging. You have to go and look at some more specific mock drafts. And then uh, as I was looking the other day, I began to realize there's not a lot of love that's being thrown his direction by NBA scouts right now. NBA Draft.net currently has Shibway going 42nd overall to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Now, that would be awesome to see Shibway reunite or unite with Carl Anthony Towns and Jared Vanderbilt. But personally, the mock confuses me because Minnesota has five guys on roster already that play the four or the five that are three you know, that have been in the, the league three years or less. And three of those five guys average seven points a game. So there's not a lot of room for Shibway to grow. Uh, it, but, but again, I'm, I'm not here to talk about how Shibway. Uh, will perform as a pro, and I'm not here to talk about Minnesota's draft choices. I'm here to point out the fact that it seems like not a lot of teams are looking at Oscar Shibwe as a valuable draft to- choice. If you look at various mock drafts, you won't see him going much higher than mid-second round. So it begs the question, why is that? Well, honestly, I mean, again, we're not, we're not here to talk about why, why Shibwe's a pro, but it's, it's very clear that right now not a lot of teams are buying stock in him it's apparent even though he's playing what feels like the, his best game that he can potentially offer. You can take a look at the last 10 Naismith award winners. Three of the 10 uh, award winners were second-round draft picks. Seven of them were lottery picks, and two of those seven were, went first overall. Most of these winners of the Naismith award, and I expect Shibway to be one of those, were talented enough to benefit from a high draft pick. And again, I believe that Shibway can return his senior season, make enough money off of his NIL deals to prevent him from declaring and leaving for good for the NBA draft. Now, I think he's talented enough to declare this season, but I think he's going to start to realize some things. He's going to start to take some things into consideration. I think that first, he's going to realize that this NIL money that he is bring, that he's bringing in is guaranteed. He's going to get that for sure as long as, as, long as he is in college. I don't know what his family situation or how dire his family situation is right now, but that's the reason why most kids in the past have left for the NBA. I don't think that's going to be the same from here on out. I think kids that might think that they're going to be somewhere around a second-round draft choice, I think they will collect the money that they can with, the, with NIL, and then they'll take a risk with the NBA, right? Get as much money as you can now, do what you will with your family, and then go make some more money in the NBA. It also gives Oscar a chance to come back and maybe hone his skill. And you may be saying, Lance, he's playing at the top of his game. What could he possibly hone? There are a couple of things. First of all, he could try and expand his shot a little bit more. He could also learn how to cut down on the turnovers. I'm not saying that he's turnover prone. I'm just saying he gets so much attention that sometimes he coughs up the ball. He could also work on turning the opponent over. He averages, again, like I mentioned earlier, almost two steals a game. He could not just become a menace on the glass. He could become a defensive menace, and he could expand his shot. There are so many different things that Shibway could do. He could try and become a better ball handler, even though he's already phenomenal uh, with the ball in his hands. There are several things that he could potentially work on. If he goes pro right now, he'll likely be on a non-guaranteed rookie minimum contract. If he goes mid-second round or late-second round, that would be just under a million dollars in salary, I believe, and that would be no guarantees if he get hurt, gets hurt, and there's no second year guaranteed for him. Or he could potentially end up on a two-way contract, and there you go. I mean, you're getting money, but think about what you could do in this next year with NIL and with Coach Cal honing your skill before you leave for the NBA. There's no risk in staying. There is risk in leaving right now. And again, that's assuming that he gets a contract and actually makes a roster. There's no guarantee of that. 
He could end up, again, like I said, unsigned or on a two-way contract. Everything with NIL has changed the college basketball landscape. It's changed the college football landscape to where now kids that don't know if they're going to get drafted can stay home because they're hometown heroes and they're going to thrive off of those NIL deals. Staying in college for Shibwe almost looks like a much safer guarantee because he gets an in- income for at least one more year. Guaranteed income for at least one more year. That's why I think Shibwe will stay. I don't think that his draft stock is going to drastically increase if he returns. But think about what he's dealing with right now, right? With his floor and his ceiling. His ceiling, if it is mid to high second round, think about what returning next year could do. Barring injury, knock on wood, or just a terrible season compared to this one, his draft stock's not going to really decrease. He's going to get drafted one way or another, in my opinion. If he stays for another year, he's got opportunity to work and grow. I think there's a much higher upside in terms of NBA being an NBA prospect to returning and staying another year than it is that there's a much lower uh, uh, upside if he just leaves right now. There's opportunity to grow for another year. And I just don't think, given NIL and given all these different things that he could do with this next year of his life, I think that there's a really great case to be made for returning. And then also think about what Kentucky's front court looks like next season. You're bringing in a guy like Chris Livingston, right? He can pair with Oscar Shibway. Lance Ware will, will still be here. Bryce Hopkins will still be here. All of these guys will be relatively to extremely experienced. It's going to be a lot. Of, it would be a lot of talent. It'd be very fun to play with those guys and to potentially win an NBA championship. So that's my case for Oscar Shibway. Uh, potentially returning for 2000, the 2022-23 season. I personally believe he's going to do so, at least right now. Now, he may declare and then say, I'm returning, but I think that he will return. If you've got thoughts on that, if you strongly disagree, let me know in the comments below. Before we move on, I also want to point out, I went over to Cats Illustrated. I went over to Rupp Rafters. It's uh, one of the message boards. I've dropped a poll to see what you guys thought. And over 100 of you said that, yes, you think Oscar's going to return, and there was a lot of debate about it. Um, and I think about 45 to 47 percent of you or 45 to 47 of you said, no, you don't think he's going to return. So it's like a 66, 33 split somewhere around there. 70, 30. Again, I'll say I, I do believe that he is going to return. If you got any thoughts on it, leave in the YouTube comments or if you're listening on podcast format, you can hit me on the socials. You can follow me on Twitter at locked on or, or yeah, at locked on UK. Just give me your thoughts on the situation before we move on to uh, Kentucky basketball and their 2022 postseason chances. Going to talk about a couple news outlets and what they think about Kentucky. Racketology, Kim Palm, that kind of stuff. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock every single part that you will ever need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You, yourself, have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You can save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for these exact same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you could instead use Rock Auto? Rock Auto is also a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are also reliably low for every single customer, and they've got every single thing you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new 
carpet. You can go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your new car or truck. You can write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. You can visit rockauto.com. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Dahl here with you. Kentucky and the 2022 postseason. We've kind of been up. We've kind of been down. Right now, I'm very high on the Wildcats. Do they? Will they win a national championship? I doubt it, at least right now, but they've certainly got a really good shot to do so. They've got a very, very high ceiling. Bracketology right now, at least the current bracketology, the one that I've seen recently, says that Kentucky is the sixth best overall team. This is Joe Lenardi's bracketology, by the way. They're the sixth best overall team. They are projected two seed playing in Indianapolis in the East region against 15th seeded Colgate. Now, if you've ever listened to this show or if you ever listen to me on ESPN radio, I have a couple of rules that you have to follow as a, as a, as a basketball team or a football team. First, never lose to food, which thankfully Kentucky has never played Delta State, who are the fighting okra. So there's a win there. And then second, never lose to toothpaste. That is my number two. Don't lose to Colgate. Thankfully, Kentucky and Colgate have never played. If they do this season, Kentucky better beat them. But Bracketology says Kentucky's the sixth best overall team. So does the AP poll. And then Ken Palm, who some put a lot of stock in, some almost a little bit too much. I'm looking at you, Jesse Newell. It's okay, but still. A lot of people put stock in Ken Palm, and Ken Palm currently has Kentucky as the number two team in the nation, right behind Gonzaga. So I was scrolling through Cats Illustrated, and I had this question myself before I saw this on Cats Illustrated, somebody was like, well, which one of them is right? Who's accurate? What's Kentucky's potential in the postseason? Are they, they, they the sixth best team in the field? Are they the second best team in the field? Are they national championship runners up? Where are they going to land? Well, before I answer that question, I want to ask another question. Where do mid-majors factor into these two systems? March Madness is always riddled with upsets and Cinderella runs, and there's simply no way to calculate how mid-majors who don't get covered could potentially make a run. There's no way to really calculate it. I mean, that's why we have a tournament, right? Because there can be so much parity in basketball in a tournament setting. We have an expanded field to give smaller schools an opportunity uh, to play and win in that said tournament. Now, there's a difference between between basketball and parity, and there's a difference between college football and parity. And that can be a whole different discussion for another episode in the summer, just talking about playoff expansion with college, college football playoff. But for here, for basketball, it's a field of 68. And mid-majors aren't typically evaluated on the same level as your higher seeds. And honestly, like I said, it's difficult to do so. So bracketology isn't going to be consistently accurate when it comes to the smaller schools in both seeding or overall ranking in the tournament. If you don't know, teams, not only do they get seeded, but they get ranked. So if Kentucky's the sixth best overall team, they're not one of the first four one seeds. They are the second best two seed, if that makes sense. So there's one, two, three, four. Those are all one seeds. Five, six, seven, eight are two seeds and so on. What bracketology can do is consistently be accurate when it comes to judging the larger schools. I know that there's a lot of upsets, a lot of Cinderella runs, but most of the time, one of the one or two seeds wins the national championship, and I say most of the time. So bracketology can be correct in in grading what are technically the best schools in the country at the time before the NCAA tournament's played. Somebody said this on Cats Illustrated, and I wanted to quote it. 
said, quote, the mid-majors are in some ways tough to evaluate given the lack of opportunities for quad one wins. But Kentucky is second in Ken Palm, yet sixth overall in the committee's eyes. And honestly, to me, there's something not right about that. We'd be favored over Kansas and Baylor on a neutral court, yet we are behind them on a seed line. And I believe we're behind Kansas in the AP poll. I haven't really, I've not really checked the AP poll uh, because it's somewhat irrelevant at this, at this point. My whole point of, the, of this conversation here is that, yes, while that seems wrong for Kentucky to be sixth and second, both of these systems can be accurate at the same time in their own way. So when we're asking, well, which one's right? Well, neither of them are objectively correct, but they can be right in both ways. It, for instance, bracketology. Your record and your quad one wins and your net ranking, all of that will put you in the right spot in bracketology or the NCAA tournament. So while it may be fair, it may actually be fair to say that Kentucky is the sixth best team based off of all those different things, quad one wins, net ranking, all that different stuff. When you put it into a model like Joe Lenardi uses, it's accurate. Kentucky, based off of his metrics, are the sixth best team in the country. So that's one way to look at it. And then Ken Palm can also be accurate because numbers are numbers. If Team A has more rebounds than Team B, then Team A is going to be ranked higher than Team B in total rebounds because they simply have more. What neither Ken Palm nor Bracketology does is accurately depict which of these two teams gets rebounds better. And I put better in air quotes because better is, is somewhat of a subjective term. So what's missing in this, in this equation? Why can't Bracketology and statistics, just raw statistics, depict which Team A or Team B gets better rebounds. Well, neither of these two things, from my knowledge, might be completely wrong on this. They don't factor in the eye test. They don't factor in the most important thing in college basketball or in really any sport. Just because Missouri State is 21st nationally in offensive efficiency does not mean they're one of the 25 best offenses in the country. You have to actually watch how they are playing the game, and you have to actually watch who Missouri State's playing night in and night out. It's incredibly important to have the eye test. You have to see how a team is performing. Look at Gonzaga. They're number one in the Ken Palm rankings, right? They're one of the favorites to win the national title. They're very talented. They have the second best offense. They have the sixth best defense. And they're, again, if they're not the favorite to win the title, they are one of the favorites. But when you watch Gonzaga, what do you notice? Well, first of all, they're very talented. They're very long. They get out and run, do a lot of great things. But they're playing in high school gyms half the time. Whenever they go on the road and play in their WCC conference, they're playing in high school gyms. While they still may very, be very good, and they still may be capable of making a very deep NCAA tournament run, their numbers are, in my opinion, extremely inflated because of the teams that they're playing. And I'm not saying that either the Ken Palm rankings or bracketology is bad. I use them all the time. It's very useful. But the accuracy doesn't completely lie in just bracketology, and the accuracy doesn't completely lie in just Kimpong. It's a combination of those two things with the eye test, actually watching how these teams are playing right now. Looking at all three can give you the best indication as to whom is better than whom, even though there can and will be upsets. So let's go back to the initial question I asked and figure out, you know, where is Kentucky right now? In my, in my opinion... Is Kentucky, where, where could Kentucky potentially fall as far as their tournament run uh, here in just a few short weeks? In, in my opinion, I think Kentucky's one of the best four or five teams in the country. I think it's fair to say that they are six right now in bracketology. I think that's completely fair, but one of the four or five best teams, one of the four or five most complete teams. You look at Kentucky, in no particular order, by the way, you look at Kentucky, Arizona, Gonzaga, and Purdue. And I really like Arizona right now. I really like Kentucky. 
Kentucky has everything you could want right now. They've got guards that can shoot. They've got a post player that might be the best one in all of college basketball, despite the fact that he's a little undersized for the, for the five spot that he plays. They've got guys off the bench that can come in and play efficiently. They've got a really experienced guard coming off the bench in Davion Mintz. This is probably one of the better six men of, uh, in the country who has now gotten to rotate in the, into the starting lineup because of injury. They run the court. They play very efficient defense. They don't take a lot of threes because they don't need to, but whenever they do, they knock them down. It's a very, very deep, talented team. You look at Arizona, one of the fastest teams in the country, one of the tallest teams in the country, running that five-out offense. They don't choke, chuck up a lot of threes. They are very, very efficient. They have a lot of chemistry. They know what they're doing. They get to the rim quickly. They play really, really good two-point percentage defense. Overall, very, very solid team. Not the strongest schedule in the world, but it's, it's a good team. Gonzaga, whenever you watch them, obviously, like I mentioned, incredibly athletic. They've got some really good players that are going to make it in the next level. Chet Holmgren, Drew Timmy, all those different guys. You, 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 could, you could pick out three or four of them that could make it to the league. But again, like I mentioned, they're playing against really bad competition, so it's very difficult to gauge, can Gonzaga win a national title? I think they're definitely in contention, but they've not played a ton of opponents that would indicate that they have the ability to do so. And you can say, well, they beat Duke, and I believe they beat UCLA, but they lost to Alabama, and that's an issue. So, again, it's just really difficult to to gauge where Gonzaga would be. How would they perform if they played in the SEC night in and night out? It's a question you'd have to ask. And then Purdue, despite their woes on defense, I think they're one of the better teams in the country because of the talent that they have on offense and the length that they have. And they utilize that length. And I think those are the... Probably four of the best teams in the country. You really start to look outside of that. I mean, Kansas could make a run, but I don't think they're that great. I think they got a good offense, but they're questionable at times on defense. Baylor is not what they have been in the past. I don't think they have as many talented stars as they have in years past. Duke um, is on the verge of being upset what feels like every other game. And I know that Coach K is probably going to want to win one uh, his final year, and he's there. Duke's going to try hard for him. I just don't know if they have what it takes to make a deep run, I think, even past the Elite Eight. Auburn right now, while they are in contention to win the SEC, and they're in contention still as a number one seed after losing to Florida, uh, you watch this team right now, and their guard play off the bench is absolutely abysmal. Their bench production is terrible. I love how they talk so much about depth, and right now their bench production since, I believe, the Missouri game has been pitiful. They can't shoot the three. Uh, and a couple of their their guys are hampered right now physically. So while they may have some really good statistics overall, and they may have all these quad one wins and stuff like that, they're a team that could be a first-round exit, depending on their matchup. I'm dead serious. If they are a two or a three seed, I'm looking for an upset with Auburn right now. They are hampered. So again, it comes back to the, it's not just statistics, it's the eye test. So there you have it. I think Kentucky's one of the best four teams in the country. I think they are final four caliber to answer my question, Final Four caliber. And by the way, while looking up stuff for this episode, I found this interesting tidbit of information. So if you don't know what a point differential is, let's say you play a team twice and you won by 10 the first time and you lost by 10 the second time, your point differential, the net, is a net, it is a net zero, if that makes sense. Kentucky's worst point differential versus an opponent is against the City College of New York Beavers. They have a negative 39 point differential against the Beavers. 
Played them once in 1950 and lost 89 to 50. I just thought that piece of information was interesting. It, it, it wasn't a fluke season e- either. Kentucky had quite literally won the national title the year before. They went 25 and 5 in this season, and I got whooped in the NIT by the Beavers. I, th- I just was scrolling through, just looking at a bunch of, a bunch of different information. I had to share that because it was an interesting rabbit hole. Uh, but yeah, there you go. All right, to wrap things up on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we're going to talk about Liam Cohen for just a little bit, talk about two potential candidates, talk about the Kentucky offense for just a second as well. But before we do all that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired head coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season, and it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet online where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Lance Daw here with you. If you've stuck it out this far, really appreciate you. If you're watching on YouTube, would really, really mean a lot if you if you uh, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on podcast format, please give us a review. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Let me know what you think about this episode. I really enjoy interacting with you guys. That's why I get on message boards and stuff like that, just to kind of hear what the entire fan base has to say about all the different things going on with the Kentucky art. Liam Cohen. Formerly, the OC for the Rams came in this season, or quarterbacks coach, excuse me, for the Rams, came in this season, uh, was Kentucky's offensive coordinator. He's now dipping back to L.A. to coach as the OC for the Los Angeles Rams, who just won the Super Bowl. It's the same shame that Joe Shiesty couldn't get it done. So who's up next for Kentucky? When, whenever we have more time, we'll put together a, a lengthy list, an extended list of ideas uh, of candidates that Kentucky could go with. But here are the two right now that have kind of been bouncing around that I've seen. We've got Eddie Grant and Zach Robinson. We'll start with Eddie first. Obviously, Eddie was the Wildcats offensive coordinator uh, and running backs coach from 2016 all the way to 2020 when Liam Cohen took over. Grant stepped down. Could he potentially step back up? I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. I question what the offense would look like personnel-wise with the stuff that he likes to run because he was ground and pound. That's all he wanted to do during his four years, at least. It felt like he also didn't really have a good quarterback or an elite quarterback. I wouldn't say Levis is elite, but he's borderline that. Didn't really have a guy that could sling the ball around the yard. He's got that now if Grand does uh, does step back into the role of OC. So I think it would be interesting to see what that, that offense looked like with Will Levis at the helm. The other guy, Zach Robinson, is currently the quarterback's coach for the Rams. So it would be really awesome to see if we could poach him and get him to come be a quarterback guru because I think that's what Kentucky needs. I think they need somebody that is really, really good with quarterbacks. I think that's probably the most important thing for Kentucky, especially this season, because think about it. Think about the way, actually, just with Zach Robinson here, think about the way the Rams' offense operates and think about the way Kentucky's offense operates. Kentucky has their one guy. He's a little turnover-prone. But he's got a really strong arm, and he's throwing to what is pri- what was primarily one receiver last season. He's probably going to be throwing to Tavon Robinson from Virginia Tech a lot this year. And then he's got Javon Baker as backup. When you look at the Rams, they have their one quarterback, strong arm, gutsy kid, 
little bit of a little bit turnover prone at times. I believe Stafford actually led the league in interceptions. And he had his one guy that he threw to in Cooper Cup. And then he had his backups like Van Jefferson and Robert Woods and um and uh, OBJ. He had your backup, but Coop, Cooper Cup was it. Very similar in the way those two offenses operate. The only difference is that Chris Rodriguez is really, really good, and Cam Akers and their whole running back room for the Rams has been relatively injury-prone this season. So I think when you're looking at a really good situation for the Kentucky Wildcats, I think I think the question has to be asked. Look, if we're looking at Eddie Grant, if we're looking at Zach Robinson, if we're looking at uh, Zach Kitley from Western Kentucky, or who is now at Texas Tech, if we're looking at some just random OC, I don't, I don't care. Why don't we just get Grant and Robinson potentially to be co-OC? Now, that may not work, but on paper it works. One guy's really, really good with quarterbacks, and the other guy has an extended track record with the Wildcats already and establishing a run game. So let's figure out who calls plays. Let's figure out who gets to work with the quarterbacks. And let's make this thing work. I think that if Kentucky had the money and they had the ability, I think best case scenario, at least right now, it seems to me, is getting Eddie Grant and Zach Robinson to be co-OC. If you've got ideas as who you would want to see as OC, let me know in the comments below on YouTube or you can hit me on the socials. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter, like I mentioned earlier, at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance.Underscore, underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, again, leave them in the comments below. Hit me on socials. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good day, everybody, and God bless.